Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. We are weak, but he is strong. Hi, I'm Kevin Biltman, your host and recovering burnout pastor who's here to share with you sermons and songs from friends of mine that I hope will be a blessing to you. Today's message is by John David Mole. At the end of today's podcast, you'll hear a song called Long Held Love. That was written by two guys I've written with before, Stephen Duncan and Daniel Hartsheim, along with Kevin Weinbarger, Brandon Edwards, John Cellini, and Elijah Scheidler. This song is such a beautiful picture of our Father's long-held love for us. Check the show notes for more details on this song and video. But for now, let's listen to Pastor John David Moore. Oh, the pressure. The pressure when there's a lot of other things in the service and I'm challenged to keep it short. But then I realize the Cowboys don't play till three. And we got all sorts of time. Right? We're good. Yeah. But we want to dig into the word and, uh, and see what God has to say to us today. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the text today is again from Timothy. I told you about this last week, that this is Timothy's, uh, this is Paul's second letter to Timothy. Uh, this is when he has gone in the first letter to Timothy. He's in house arrest in Rome, facing trial. But this one, he's now like in a dungeon. And he is facing trial. Many believe this is the last uh, letter that we have that Paul wrote, uh, that we still have today. Uh, it's likely he's writing this facing just in days his impending execution. Uh, so he's down there, and he's giving Timothy, his disciple, who he sent out, who's now pastoring uh, out in the world, he's giving them instructions, and those instructions are going beyond Timothy to us today, right? And all of that got me thinking a lot about my life and those who have impressed in me faith those who discipled me along the way. My mom was a great discipler of me. But then all these different men have come along throughout my life to disciple me. My youth minister, Bill Jordan, uh, Bill Johnson, uh, Steve Arnold at, at Concordia College, and uh, Jerry Coleman was there. And then Bill Stunkel was the pastor on my internship who discipled me in many ways. Uh, people that I just look up to and, and all these different people going along. However, with all of that, if you say to me, John David, who is your pastor? Tell me about your pastor. That's an easy thing to do. There's one guy that I think of as my pastor because when we moved to Arlington, Texas from Lubbock, Texas, I was eight years old and we started going to Grace Lutheran Church in Arlington, Texas, and the Reverend Dr. David B. Jokel was my pastor. And he was my pastor all the way through until uh, I graduated high school. He was still the pastor of that church for years after I left. And he is a man of integrity through the roof. He's also giant. Like huge human. Six foot five, just big man. And he produced big kids. One of his kids played uh, football at Texas Tech. One of his kids, his grandchildren, was, uh, played at Texas A&M and was the second pick in the NFL draft one year for the Jacksonville Jaguars, this gigantic human being uh, who went and played football in the NFL. David B. Jokel was my pastor, and he taught me a lot. He's the kind of guy that when he says it, you believe it. 
Because if you spend any time with his integrity, through the roof. So you believe everything he tells you. And Pastor David B. Jokel, week after week, stood in front of me and told me, you are forgiven. And I believe it. I believe it because he was sharing me God's promise. Pastor Jokel taught me a lot of things. Um, and I'm thinking about him a lot these days because he just passed away um, here a couple weeks ago. And it was one of those things that's very sad. I watched his funeral uh, online. I didn't get to go. Uh, but it makes me really sad to know he's not in the world anymore, but so joyful that he is with his Savior. Uh, he walked this earth for a long time. He taught me a lot of things. Uh, I still remember uh, being in confirmation class with Pastor Jokel. Uh, and I will tell you, I learned a ton of things from Pastor Jokel. I did not learn how to teach youth from Pastor Jokel. All right? It was a lecture format, right? You kids who are in confirmation right now, I'm telling you, you got it good. Right? Pastor Jokel would come in. We were sitting at tables. We had workbooks. And for an hour and a half, he would lecture to us, and we would just fill in blanks in our workbooks. One week, he wasn't able to be there. He was at a conference. And so we thought, maybe we'll get the week off. They're like, no, no, you're still having class. One of the elders is coming. Oh, no. So we go sit in the room. The only part of confirmation we liked was the five-minute break where we got to run around in the gym for five minutes and then come back in all sweaty. Uh, but many of you, who, who's a teacher in this room? Just raise your hand. Okay, we got a few of you. And especially if you've ever taught junior high kids, tell me if this is what they taught you. If you're not going to be there one week, send in someone else with a tape recorder and put it on the desk and push play. And for an hour and a half, let junior high kids listen to you lecture from a tape recorder. Good? They're going to learn a lot? I didn't learn a lot. But I learned a ton from Pastor Jokel. Another thing I learned from Pastor Jokel is what it is to be sent to the hall. I spent about 25% of my second year of confirmation in the hall. Right? John David! Hall! Right? You're disrupting the class. I had a thing with talking. I still do. I like it a lot. I remember uh, one week I, I had been particularly loud... Uh, I guess, I don't think I was, but I got sent to the hall, and I remember at the end of it, he came out to talk to me, and I thought, this is the time, it's been too much, I'm out of this church, he's going to boot me, right? And Pastor Jokel, six foot five, came to me, I'm sitting on the ground, he looks down at me, and he goes, John David, and I was just waiting for it, oh, I'm kicked out of church, my mom's going to hate me, everything's going to go poorly, he looked at me and he said, you should really consider being a pastor, I went, what? And he said, I spent a lot of time in the hall in my confirmation years. Pastor Jokel taught me a lot. Whenever I became a pastor, he told me a couple things. He said, preach the gospel in its purity, tell the people Jesus loves them, and keep the LWML happy. <laughs> and all will go well with you. Um, pastor Jokel has moved on, and I'm excited for him. Uh, but I want to share with you what he shared with me. And I believe that's what I, I see happening in this text that we're looking at today, um, where Paul says to us, says to the, Timothy, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You then, my 
child. That's really important. Before Paul goes into anything with Timothy, explaining to him about how he's to carry out his life and what he's supposed to do now that Paul's going to be gone, is delivering to Timothy this message that he is his child. And not just his child, but better than that, God's child. Right? And in our text, this can be translated much better where we can understand it a little bit. You then, my child, be empowered by the means of the grace of Jesus Christ. That is Paul's message to Timothy. That is God's message to us today. Be empowered. Be strengthened by the love of Christ, by God who's done everything to save you. I am telling you week after week, this big man stood up in front of the congregation and I still felt like he was talking to me every time when he said, you are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. You are loved by our God. He has overcome for you. There is nothing in your past. There is nothing in your history that is bigger than his love. There is nothing that you have done or thought or said that is bigger than his love for you in that cross. Jesus Christ has come and he has overcome for you and now you are, because he says it so, God's child. That is who you are. Child of God. And he tells you to come back week after week after week. For what? To be empowered by the love of Christ. To be strengthened once again by a God who has overcome for you. And so this day I tell you, His grace is for you. His grace is for you. It doesn't matter what you did this week. His grace is for you. It doesn't matter what you have done. His grace is for you. You've heard me talk about uh, this theolo- this, uh, this pastor of theology at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. He retired just before I got there, but he's an older man. And I heard this story from a lot of different people that one of the things he would do when he was teaching on the gift of baptism, he's an older man, he would crawl up onto the table. He would get on a chair and real slowly get up on the table and he'd get up on there and then he'd lay on his back and he'd go, Baptism is like a waterfall of God's grace pouring upon you for the rest of your life. It is God's gift to you. It's not something that just happened a long time ago when you were a kid or an adult that one time brought you His forgiveness. It's His flood of forgiveness upon you every day of your life. It never stops. In Psalm 23, when David says, my cup overflows, that's what he's talking about. God's grace never stops pouring in. He's never going to run out. So then what is Paul telling Timothy to do with his life? He's saying to give it away. Everything you receive from me, give it away. He says in the next verse, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. Give it away. God gives to you grace upon grace. He gave it to you in baptism. Today, you're going to come here and you're going to confess sin and you are going to hear from from God's love that you are forgiven. It is done. And then you're going to gather for a meal where God is going to give to you His body and His blood together with bread and wine for the forgiveness of your sins. He just 
keeps giving it. That is God's love for you because you are His child. And now He says, give it away. We in our country, it's amazing to me because I do it too, we have a scarcity mindset. It's something that came to us all the way back from the garden. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden and everything is taken care of. All the food they could ever want is there for them all the time. But when they lost the garden because of their sin, they went into a scarcity mindset and it's still in us today. We always feel like there might not be enough. We who live in the United States of America feel like there might not be enough. We who have never woken up one day and thought, I don't know if there's going to be enough food for my family to make it through the day. Where all over the world that actually happens. We still have a scarcity mindset. Did you know they've done survey after survey and that if you go to millionaires and even billionaires and you ask them, do you have enough, what they will say? Not quite. If I just had a little more, if I just had a little more, then I would have enough. We have a scarcity mindset in our culture, and I believe it feeds into us as Christians. We have something in our minds where the enemy speaks to us, and he says to us, you can't give away that grace, you'll run out. God never stops giving it to you. He pours it upon you. The, the text in here where it's saying be empowered, the way that that, that, uh, that that reads in the Greek, it's not just be empowered once. This is talking about every moment of your life from here on be empowered by what? Grace. God never stops giving it. He loves you. You are His child. He will not stop giving you that grace. He pours it into you. And every time He says, now be different and go out into the world and do what with it? Give it away. Give it away in this very broken world. And He says to do it like this. It's really interesting in our text. Do it as a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Now when He's doing this, He's talking to Timothy directly. Timothy is in that role of minister and he's talking to him, but this feeds through him to all of us too. What is he talking about when he's talking about be a soldier? He's saying, you are God's child. You are saved by his grace. Now go live for him. How do I live for him? Do the things he says to do. Go out there. That's what, it, what is a good soldier? One of my favorite scenes ever from, from Forrest Gump, right? You know the show Forrest Gump? Is when the drill sergeant is there, and he says to uh, Forrest Gump, who's this guy who's just, you know, his IQ is really low, and he says, and he says uh, to Forrest Gump, he says, what are you supposed to do? And Forrest Gump goes, whatever you tell me to do, drill sergeant. And he goes, that is the best answer anyone has ever given me. That's our call. That's what he's talking about. Be a soldier for Christ. Just do what God has called you to do. What has he called you to do? Love the people the way you've been loved. Care for the people the way that you are cared for by your God. Give it away. Give grace. Give love. Give hope and give truth. Speak God's truth to people. They need it. Don't be afraid. Get out there and make disciples. What about an athlete? Well, in this, he says, an athlete has to train. And here's what I know of athletes. I've coached athletes since uh, my son was three. 
Uh, I've been a coach since he's three years old, my youngest, and now uh, I mean, my oldest, when he was three years old, I started coaching him in soccer, and I've coached now throughout my kid's life soccer and flag football and basketball and volleyball and, uh, and football, tackle football, all the way through high school, right? I'm about to hang my whistle up. I'm, I'm going to coach Jonah's basketball team this year, and after this, he's in junior high. He's now being coached by the coaches there, and I think I'm done. It's really weird for me. But here's what I know of athletes. Without accountability, they don't go anywhere. And that's what I think he's talking about in this text. We need to train. The only way we will train is when we have accountability to get it done. How do I know that we need accountability? How many times have you made a plan for your life? How many times has the new year come and you have thought, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to work out like five times a week. I'm going to change the way I'm eating. I'm going to be nicer to people. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to do all those things. If you have made those plans and you didn't tell anybody else what you were going to do, what are the chances of you following through? Yeah, it's right between zero and none. That's my experience, right? If you want to follow through with those things, you have people hold you accountable to it. The guys I'm discipling, that's what we do over and over and over again. We teach them things about what God's speaking into their lives. I share my life with them. God speaks into them. They make a plan, and then they're held accountable to that plan. And over a couple of years, 50, 60 little plans that they're held accountable to. It changes your life. It makes you different. We need accountability in this world. We need that. As children of God, if we want to grow and do the things God's calling us to do, we need each other. And a farmer. What does a farmer do? He cares for people. What does a farmer do? He provides. What does a farmer do? He gives it away. And that's our call in this world as those who are already saved by grace to get out there and give it away. And when it's too hard, when we're overwhelmed, what does Paul say? Paul, facing his death, talking to Timothy, says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Risen from the dead. What is he saying there? Remember that Christ is already victorious. Remember when this world feels like it's overwhelming to you? Remember when this world feels like there's no way that Christ is going to be victorious? He says, remember Jesus Christ who is resurrected from the dead. He's already won. Remember what is before you. Resurrection. It's going to be incredible. Pastor Jokel is now with his Savior in heaven and I'm a little bit jealous because he's past this world. He's done with the pain and sickness and grief of this world. Hank Crone is a, a member of this church who's been a part of this church since 1968. He passed away Tuesday morning at 3 a.m. Tomorrow we're doing his funeral. I'm a little jealous of him because he's already experiencing the victory in a new way. But that is what God has for you. What is before you? Eternity with Jesus. What is before you? The resurrection. When your body is made new. Victory. What do we have to share? That message with this very broken world. God is calling you and me to give it away. And He'll never stop pouring it into you. So I ask you, who is God calling you to give it away to today? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would put somebody on each and every one of our hearts. 
Someone who needs to hear that you love them. Someone who needs to hear that you have overcome for them. Someone who needs to hear that although they've gone down the wrong path, you are ready to take them home. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with Holy Spirit courage to give it away. The gospel and grace that you have given us, let us give it away, we pray in Jesus' name. Never want to leave your presence, it's easy.